Fanatics football, our football segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'll be your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Terry, Nate, and Mete. What's up, guys? So, uh, oh, yo. All right. In today's episode, we are previewing the NFC North division. So, we'll be talking about each team's relevance for fantasy for each position. Then, we'll move right into just ranking each area. Uh, of every team in this division. And then we'll just finish up with projecting a divisional record. How does that sound? Good. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll dive right into it, but just before we do, I just wanted to mention some news from this week. It looks like that uh, Rams running back cam Akers has torn his Achilles pretty severe injury. Uh, it happened uh, just this week and it looks like he's going to remiss the, in- he's going to miss the entire uh, 2021 season. Uh, that's a pretty rough injury. Um, and yeah, I, he was pretty much primed for a breakout year. Um, I guess maybe I could get you guys thoughts on it, I guess, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the injury and I guess what it means for, uh, the Rave, uh, the, the Rams backfield, uh, in fantasy, I guess, Terry, I'll start with you. Um, I guess what's your reaction and I guess, what do you think about for fantasy? It's rough for acres in general. I mean, I think this was his second year into his contract. I believe he was on the rookie deal. And with that being said, I mean, uh, we all know how owners and ownership in general is when it comes to players that are injured, and especially with the Achilles injury as well. Uh, this may affect him when it comes to his renegotiation, whatever contract that may be. Let's just hope that he does uh, fully recover from this injury and he can find a way to prove to everyone that he deserves one of the bigger contracts for running backs in the NFL. With that being said, I mean, if you're looking for the Rams running backs now, I think Daryl Henderson's still there. And then you got guys like um, Raymond Callis and Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, but most likely Daryl Henderson's going to be the lead back outside of everyone else right now. Yeah, I think I can feel the same way. Uh, Cam Akers was just sort of getting into that position where uh, Sean McVay was trusting him as the number one back. And then, you know, he gets this injury and this could pretty much derail his momentum going forward. Um, I guess Mete just getting to you, I guess, what does this mean for Akers and I guess for uh, running backs in fantasy? Yeah, it's really tough. What it means for Akers is that uh, he's going to probably miss most of the year or the whole year. And then he won't even know next season if he'll be the starting back because we know once someone's injured, someone else has to step up. And whenever that guy steps up and actually performs really well, uh, you might just lose your spot. So it's really tough for the sophomore. And then what it means for uh, fantasy backs, I'd say this is really good for Daryl Henderson. He's probably going to be drafted even higher now. And... Uh, yeah, I think he's pretty solid, but I don't think he was usually like the main guy. Even last season, I think they were just running Henderson, uh, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers. Uh, they were just splitting carries the whole year. So, yeah, it looks like this season he might just get a bulk of the carries, and we'll see how he does. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Nate, uh, just before I get to you, um, I actually have a stat that Nate probably would normally touch on. Uh, There's 
pretty much uh, with this injury to Acres, uh, in terms of like vacated touches for running backs, there's around 250 vacated touches, which is quite a bit for a backfield. And uh, Terry, all those guys that you mentioned, like Funk and others, they have no NFL experience when it comes to being running backs. Daryl Henderson's the only one there right now. So if we're talking about like carries, I know Nate usually gets into like stats like that. I feel like Henderson with the volume he's going to get potentially if they don't sign anyone else, like honestly, that could be enough for me to draft him in like the, the second round or third round and then maybe be my number one running back in, in my draft. Like I know it's probably like a low end running back uh, one, but I might even look at him as a running back one. I don't know, Nate, what are your thoughts on that? And then I guess just the acres injury. So I was actually looking at both Cam Akers and Henderson. They actually have um, similar stats lines um, rushing-wise. I think Henderson had like one less rushing yard with less attempts, and he was able to get more touchdowns. He has um, more, um, I guess, reception stats than Cam Akers, I think, last year. And they both only had three starts, so... Um, yeah, they had like a really similar stat line. So if you think like Cam Akers was about to break out, this actually might be Henderson's chance to have a breakout season. So he's definitely um, a running back to a minimum, I think. Yeah, that's probably his floor. Uh, even if they do bring someone in like uh, Duke Johnson, like a Todd Gurley, whoever might be there, a Le'Veon Bell, they're not going to take all the touches like we said there's around 250 vacated touches there in that backfield so it looks like Henderson's going to get a big workload and by the looks of those stats he was more efficient than Akers last year with more touchdowns and less touches so um, honestly uh, Akers was sort of that big name obviously because he used the draft capital on him and all that so McVay sort of favored him but I still think Henderson's going to be a great option for them I definitely think that um, Akers might actually have a problem coming back and becoming the starter next year, like Mete mentioned, because, uh, you know, uh, when someone takes your starting role and they perform well, uh, that could happen. So, yeah, I, I think we can definitely look forward to a Henderson uh, breakout season. But enough of that. Let's just get right into the division preview. Uh, let's start with um, the Chicago Bears in fantasy football. Um, I'll get right into it. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback situation for fantasy. This is an interesting one, actually. Um, it looks like Andy Dalton is the projected starter for this team. Um, but this season could feature a split between him and Justin Fields. Uh, it might happen at the bye week. Uh, so it'll definitely be something to, uh, something in interesting to look up, look forward to. Um, uh, just starting with Andy Dalton, he's probably a low-end quarterback, too, in 12-team uh, standard leagues. Um, I mean, you could draft him if you want. He's probably best to be left on the waiver because we don't know how much he's going to play this season. Um, and yeah, like I said, uh, his ceiling is probably like a low end quarterback too, because he doesn't have any rushing upside. Uh, and then we move to Justin Fields. Um, it, you probably shouldn't draft him unless you're in like dynasty or best ball. Um, because there's no guarantee he's going to start a lot of games. Probably keep an eye on him on the waiver wire. Maybe put him on your watch list or something. So if he starts, he's definitely a, a a good pickup because uh, if he is starting with his rushing upside, uh, he's uh, pretty much uh, his floor is going to be a mid QB two. And I mean, he could even climb to like a low end QB one uh, if he performs really well. So definitely he'd be a guy to watch out for. But uh, like I said, uh, he should only be drafted in certain leagues. 
Um, let's just move to the running backs now for fantasy. Uh, Nate, I'm going to get to you for the Bears running back situation. So I guess I'll start with um, David uh, Montgomery. Um, I think he's most likely uh, running back to this season. He got, I think, 14.1 fantasy uh, points per game. So, yeah, that'd probably make him an, an RB2, I think. And um, I guess in terms of any other running backs uh, in that depth chart, do you see any of them being draftable, um, whether it's um, uh, a guy like um, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams? I guess what are their roles essentially for fantasy? Uh, I guess for fantasy, it's going to be um, pretty tough to say. Um, I think Tariq Cohen, I'm not really expecting him to make – uh, too much of an impact on fantasy or even um, the other running backs. Maybe you can check the waiver wire week to week. Um, if they rest David Montgomery, they might um, become relevant. But for the most part, um, outside of David Montgomery, you're not really going to want to look too deep in the Bears. Yeah, that's one thing that I know we talked about earlier is like when there's an injury like with Tariq Cohen last year, and then we saw Montgomery step up in the passing game as well. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Cohen to reclaim a lot of those um, targets that he had the year prior. Um, I guess maybe you could look at him in like PPR deep leagues, but I guess in standard or like half point PPR, uh, it's probably going to be like a late round or like waiver wire option. And I think for Damian Williams, I agree with you, probably just best left on the waiver wire. Um, moving into wide receivers, uh, Terry, let me get to you for the Bears. Honestly, for the Bears, there's probably like two guys, maybe even three, that I'll keep an eye on. Allen Robinson, you don't really need to say that much for him. He's been a top wide receiver in the game for how long? And with that being said, I mean, as long as the chemistry between him and the quarterback is there, I feel like uh, wideout one is an easy, uh, I would say, ranking for a guy like Robinson. Second guy, I got to say, Daryl Mooney. Beside uh, Robinson, I feel like he's the only other guy that you can pass to on this Bears uh, wideout core. With that being said, um, when the rookie does take the reins down in Chi-Town, I feel like he'll uh, have a bigger role with the team just because of the fact that rookie quarterbacks don't really favor one specific target as much. They try to spread it out. We seen it with Justin Herbert last year. And I feel like whatever rookie quarterback takes the reins this year, it's going to happen the same again. And he does have tremendous, uh, how should I say, field stretching capabilities. So with that being said, uh, there might be a couple of boomer bus weeks, but then having said that, wide out four, if anything. Third guy, I believe his name is Anthony Miller. If your fantasy league is including, I would say, special team stats, add him. But if not, leave him on the waiver wire. Yeah, I think you pretty much got everything there. Um, a guy like Anthony Miller was a popular breakout target last season, but it clearly didn't happen. And Mooney was sort of that guy. So I think you're right. He is the wide out too for this team going forward. And yeah, that's that's pretty much the best draft options for them. Uh, Mete, let me get to you for the tight ends. I guess, who do you see for the Bears? Yeah, so I only see one guy being their main tight end this season, and it's Cole Komet. Uh, he's coming off his rookie year, which wasn't the best, but he'll be going into the season more experienced and he's going to have a new quarterback to throw to him. So I believe 
Dalton or even Justin Fields will be better for this offense and their quarterbacks from last season, be it uh, Trubisky or uh, Foles. And then also I think that Komet is only turning 22, so there's upside for sure. And then I would probably draft him as a tight end too in all leagues uh, as my backup tight end. And I guess for Jimmy Graham, it's probably like touchdown or bust on the waiver wire pretty much. Yeah, like you said, he's uh, very touchdown dependent, so it's kind of scary to play him. Uh, if he doesn't get that touchdown, he'll probably be giving you like two, three points. So it's a risky play. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the year Cole Komet takes the number one tight end spot on this team. Like you mentioned, he's young. He had a great rookie year last year. I think we had him on our tight end awards. I can't remember whether he won or he was the runner up for last year's rookie tight end. So um, yeah, he was really solid and I think he'll keep uh, growing in his role this year. But uh, let's just move on to the Detroit Lions for fantasy. Uh, We'll start with the quarterbacks. Nate, let me get to you for the quarterback situation there. So uh, Jared Goff is going to be the starting quarterback, I think, for the Lions. Um, For the Rams, he only had five starts, but he was able to get 16 fantasy points per game. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be able to surpass that on the the Lions, though. It's kind of a uh, tougher situation than the Rams. So it'll probably be around the same. It might be a little bit higher or it might be a little bit lower, but... Um, I think I'd put him as a quarterback too. Yeah, I think you're pretty much right uh, on it there. Uh, He should be around the same most likely because, I mean, he's moving into a worse offense than he had in L.A., but uh, he'll probably be on the field a lot more if they're trailing in games. So should be about the same in terms of production from last year. Um, Just moving to the running backs, Terry, let me get to you for that for the Lions. First guy I got in mind, DeAndre Swift. He could easily be a running back one, but then we're talking about the Lions here right now. Um, unfortunately, with the timeshare, that could possibly happen. Uh, most people would consider him a running back two at the moment. But if Swift was on a winning team, you can easily say he's a running back one. Uh, second guy I got in mind, Jamal Williams. Uh, before I say anything negative, I want to say all these running backs in Motor City could easily be running back two, maybe three. I said, and with saying, uh, with, uh, with saying that, yeah, no worries, man. Yeah. Uh, I could, oh my goodness. Anyway, timeshare, that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, if there is a timeshare between Williams and Swift, uh, honestly, maybe a flex option, maybe even running back three at most, but. If they go the other route and saying, okay, Swift, here's all the touches you can carry, be my guest. Uh, he might be a nice handcuff unless uh, Swift does get injured, knock on wood. And then there's a third guy. I believe his name is Jameer Jefferson, something like that. Having said that, I feel like he's going to be a tremendous handcuff if both of the guys ahead of him get injured. And don't forget, you also got on Johnson on this team as well. And just to summarize... Swift, running back two. Williams, flex, or running back four. Uh, Jefferson, waiver wire. Same with carry on Johnson, waiver wire. Yeah, I feel like that uh, you pretty much touched on everyone there. I think carry on Johnson's probably going to get cut before the season starts. No offense to him if he hasn't been cut already. Um, 
But yeah, DeAndre Swift, obviously RB2 as we speak. I think Jamal Williams will be fantasy relevant because, I mean, they did spend money to go out and get him in the offseason. It's not like they're going to do that and not use him, if you know what I mean. So I think you could probably rely on both of those guys and you could probably draft both of those guys in your leagues. Um, But let's just get to the wide receivers. Uh, Mete, let me get to you for the Lions wideouts in fantasy. Yeah, uh, before that, I remember during the NFC's video, uh, I was looking at the Eagles' depth chart, and I think, honestly, Carryon Johnson is on the Eagles right now. So, yeah, and then for Lions wide receivers, I went with Bashad Perriman. It's my first option. Uh, he's going to be one of the main wide receivers in Detroit, and this season, if you're desperate at wide receiver, you could look into him, honestly. Uh he hasn't had more than 36 catches in a season, but that's probably going to change this season as, like I said, he's going to be one of the main guys in uh, in Detroit. Sorry, And then I also think that Lions are going to be losing a lot of games. So then when you're trailing, you tend to pass more. So that could also uh, be benef- beneficiary for him. And then I'd have him probably around like a wide receiver five at best in deep leagues. Uh, otherwise, if you're in a shallow league, I'd probably just leave him on the waiver wire. And then they have Terrell Williams as, as well. He's also a solid wide receiver and he's going to be one of the main guys in Detroit as well. I would probably go Terrell Williams over Perriman actually as Williams has been playing a bit longer in the NFL, and he actually had a couple solid seasons. He had a thousand-yard season in 2016 with the Chargers, I want to say. I'd go wide receiver four in deep leagues and leave him on the waiver wire again if you're in a shallow league. And then uh, this name is pretty hard for me, Amon Ray St. Brown. I hope I didn't butcher that. I definitely wouldn't draft Brown unless you're in a dynasty league uh, because you've always got to keep your eyes out for rookies and we don't know what type of player he'll be in the NFL. So uh, yeah, definitely keep an eye out on him. But with the Lions having weak wide receivers uh, and they're going to have to play games from behind, like I said, probably since they'll be losing, uh, there's going to be throwing a lot again. And then that's, beneficiary for all the receivers in Detroit so there is upside and if St. Brown can win over the coaches and see more snaps this season definitely look out for him yeah I think you picked the right three wide receivers to target in fantasy just want to comment on I think it's Amon Ross St. Brown so it's pretty close um yeah I think that he's primed for a great rookie season I'll give my reason why if you uh, take if you took a look at Jared Goff when he played in LA he threw a lot of short passes to guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and it looks like St. Brown's gonna be that guy right there in the slot he might be that like uh that's that sort of guy underneath that's that's sort of like a security blanket for Goff so I mean if uh, like you said whether it's dynasty league whether it's like a late pick in like redraft leagues you just like like take a flyer on him Uh, I feel like there's a chance that he could really turn into something for you maybe even as high as a flex option so a St. Brown might be a guy you want to look at and I guess with that I'll just go right to the tight ends and there's pretty much one name here and it's TJ Hawkinson Um, this guy uh, I mean in my tight end rankings I have him in the top five he could even be a top three if he has a breakout year this year. This guy is going to see a whole lot of targets up the middle. I just mentioned Jared Goff likes throwing short end passes. 
Hawkinson won't need to run far to get the ball in his hand. So if you're in half PPR or PPR, he's a guy that's going to be getting a lot of receptions. Uh, definitely look out for him. Uh, he'll be the main target in the red zone as well, assuming the Lions can get there. No offense. And yeah, Hawkinson should be the main target here. Um, if you're looking for anyone else, um, Darren Fells, he's one of those touchdown or bust type tight ends. He was like that when he was in Houston as well. Um, he's one of those guys, if you see them running a lot of two tight end sets, cause we know Dan Campbell, he's like a tight end coach, whatever he really primes his tight end. So if you see fells on the field a lot, he might turn into a good receiving option. So maybe he's a guy you could put on your watch list. I wouldn't draft him, but, uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on. So, um, let's just move right on to the green Bay Packers. Um, this time, uh, Terry, I'm going to get to you. Uh, who would have thought this would be an interesting quarterback situation? It is an interesting quarterback situation, especially with what transpired over the offseason. But first, you always got to go with A-Rod. Easily a quarterback winning in not most, but all fantasy formats. But the question is, can he still play like 2020? Uh, Let's not get it twisted right now. Even if it's not 2020, he's still a quarterback one. But then don't try reaching for him on draft night if that's the case. That being said, um, realistically, I would put him at like quarterback six, maybe even uh, seven-ish, give or take. And then you got Jordan Love. I mean, uh, we're not Nostradamus. We can't predict the future. With that being said, just leave him on the waiver wire for now until something else pops up in the news. Uh, Outside of that, just draft A-Rod. Yeah, I think that Rodgers should be safe for now. Um, if anything, he will play this season in Green Bay and then possibly move on after that. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, you should be okay drafting Aaron Rodgers. Like you said, uh, he has top five upside, but we shouldn't be drafting him at his MVP price because it's going to be tough for him to get back there. So let's just get to the running backs now. Uh, Mete, let me get to you. Uh, who do you like for the Packers uh, for fantasy? Yeah, so I like two other guys, actually. Uh, The main one being Aaron Jones. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones is a baller, uh, running back one in any type of league, shallow or deep. Uh, Even if Rodgers doesn't end up playing, I think the Packers will start utilizing the run game more as you'd have to rely on Jordan Love, who hasn't thrown a pass yet in his NFL career uh, other than preseason. But I wouldn't count that, so... It's a solid pass catcher as well. Uh, with Jamal Williams gone, you might even see him used more as a receiver this season. And then the second guy is A.J. Dillon. I think he's heading into his uh, sophomore year. He could also be worth a look this year. As I said before, Jamal Williams is gone, so that leaves A.J. Dillon as the running back two in Green Bay. Uh, A.J. Dillon showed what he could do in week 15 of 2020 versus the Tennessee Titans. Uh, when he ran for 124 yards on 21 carries and two touchdowns. So uh, Aaron Jones gets hurt. Let's knock on wood like Terry here. Uh, Look out for Dylan on the waiver wire. Yeah, honestly, I think A.J. Dylan's one of the best handcuffs you could get in fantasy football. Um, Yeah, like you said, if something were to happen to Aaron Jones, this guy slots in as like an RB1 pretty much. Uh, Yeah, I definitely like the players you took a look at. I'm going to move right into the wideouts now for fantasy. 
Uh, first talk about Devontae Adams, who's the main guy there. Obviously, he should be drafted um, as a wide receiver one, probably a top-end wide receiver one, pro- possibly the first one off the board if Aaron Rodgers is 100% playing. Um, his upside is pretty much endless. I know that he should have finished as the receiving yards leader, if not for missing that game. Um, but he could pretty much do it again. He can pretty much go crazy at this point. We've seen what Adams can do on the field. Um, I guess if Rodgers isn't there, probably downgrade him to like a low end wide receiver one, maybe like the 11, 12 range, put him under maybe a guy like DK Metcalf or, or someone in that range. Um, but or else, yeah, uh, he's a, a pretty much a wide receiver one all the way through. Um, also, I'll look at Alan Lazard. I know he was injured for a large portion of last season. Um, but he is going to be healthy heading into this year. And we know Aaron Rodgers had great chemistry with him. So if Rodgers is playing maybe a wide receiver five, maybe a low end wide receiver four, he might break into a flex spot if Rodgers really targets him or else without Rodgers, he might be like a wide receiver six or, or maybe someone to be left on the waiver. And then obviously Marquez Valdez Scantling is the definition of boomer bust at this point. Um, he's very touchdown dependent, very deep ball dependent probably draft him in only best ball leagues and probably just leave him on the waiver wire at this point in standard leagues and then you might want to take a look at rookie Amari Rogers if he gets the starting role in the slot assuming Aaron Rodgers is there he might get some production but if Aaron Rodgers isn't there just only draft him in dynasty leagues so um, let's just move on to the tight ends now Nate uh, let me get to you for the Green Bay Packers so I guess um, the the guy to look at on Green Bay is uh, Robert Tanyan. Um, he got 9.4 fantasy points per game last year, and he only started eight games. So he's most likely going to be starting for the majority of the games this season. So I think that would put him as a tight end one. Yeah, I think pretty much straightforward. He's probably the only guy to, to look at uh, when it comes to tight ends Uh, Mercedes Lewis is pretty much just a blocker at this point and the rest really aren't fantasy relevant so we can just move right into the Minnesota Vikings Uh, this time Matty I'm going to start with you Uh, what's the quarterbacks look like for fantasy yeah so I think that Kirk Cousins is a pretty solid quarterback as not many people give Cousins enough credit these days as he's all over meme pages uh that's how the NFL works. Uh, as if if you lose, the first two people that you're gonna blame are uh, the coach and the quarterback. So he does have a tough prime time record. I know that, but he was playing for Washington before Minnesota, which is also a tough team to play for. I think. Uh, I believe he's a solid quarterback, and in deep leagues, he'll give you quarterback one value on some weeks, but. Other than that, he's usually a quarterback, too, even in shallow leagues. Yeah, I think you pretty much uh, had it there. Um, He's pretty undervalued, I think. So if you can get him as your backup quarterback, I think you're pretty much set for the year. Uh, I'll just move into talking about the running backs now. We'll start with Dalvin Cook. Uh, He's a really solid option. He should be taken in the top three picks in drafts. He should be an RB1, a really high-end solid one. And um, I guess uh, after that, Uh, looking at someone like Alex Madison. Um, He's, I guess, one of those guys that 
uh, should be taken as like maybe an RB5. So maybe a guy that you wouldn't start on a weekly basis. But I mean, if Dalvin Cook goes down, we've seen what Madison can do. He can pretty much just slot right into that starting role and be like a uh, low-end RB1, high-end RB2 um, when need be. So I think Madison's probably one of the top 10 handcuffs in the league. So definitely a guy to look at adding to your bench uh, for fantasy football. And uh, that's pretty much it for the running back. So let's get to wide receivers now. Uh, Nate, I'm going to get to you. So uh, Minnesota has a pretty um, decent wide receiver situation. Um, I think all three of them, um, they have a pretty high potential. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, I think last season he got 14.4 fantasy points per game. Um, he had, I think, 1,400 reception yards. He has two rush yards for whatever reason. Um, I don't think that's going to be a factor at all, but I guess I just thought it's interesting to point out. Um, I think assuming that he gets the most targets, because he did get the most targets last season, I believe, um, I think he'd be, I guess, somewhere around maybe a wide receiver one potentially. Um, you might be able to get away with drafting him lower depending on uh, what league you're in. And I guess for um, Adam Thielen, um, I guess he's like a wide receiver too. He does have potential to be wide receiver one, but I think Justin Jefferson's going to be getting the most catches. And uh, for BC Johnson, it's kind of hard to, I guess, project where he's going to be. Um, he didn't really um, play too much. He only played eight games and he only started three but his yards per target's really high, like 9.9. .9. So um, there, I guess maybe you could, ha I guess, draft him as maybe an RB3 at the most, but you might want to um, kind of pass on drafting him and then check the waiver wire and maybe like the first couple of weeks. Um, and then if he's still there, then pick him up. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. Justin Jefferson, wide out one. Adam Thielen, wide out two. And then Johnson's probably best left on the waiver until we see, I guess, if Minnesota's going to pass more this season. And I guess just getting to the tight ends. Terry, let me get to you. Uh, what's it looking like this year? One guy and one guy only. I believe his name is Irvin Smith Jr. And with Rudolph gone, easily going to be tight end number one on the team. With that said, he's going to have a ton of opportunities if the third wild on Minnesota does not work out. That being said, you're not paying for the production just yet, just the opportunity. And honestly, I can see him maybe. That's a good question. Um, maybe tight end two, but honestly, maybe in deeper league, some people might take him as a tight end one. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the waiver wire after draft night. So with that being said. Uh, it's kind of unpredictable with Urban Smith Jr. And outside of that, I mean, there is the little potential of a top uh, tight end. But yeah, that's all I got to say for him. Yeah, I think I can agree with you. He's definitely going to have the opportunity. I guess we haven't really seen a lot from him. So I feel like in some leagues, he's going as a tight end one. I feel like that's kind of high. I feel like a high end tight end two is where he should be drafted at and then I guess we'll just see from there but yeah I think pretty much we've gotten uh, everyone uh, for fantasy that's going to be relevant for this season 
All right, let's just get right into the division preview. Um, let's start out first with ranking out the quarterbacks in this division. Terry, let me start with you. I guess, uh, what do you see for this division? Rodgers wasn't playing this year. I mean, obviously, we would have put Packers probably in last. What Rodgers is going to play, so put him at one. Vikings, you got Kirk Cousins at two. Um, Bears, just because of the rookie plus Andy Dalton, I mean, for some reason, I got to put him at three, and then Lions, I got at four because Jeff Goff. I feel like he won't fit in whatever's going on down in Detroit, whether it be the rebuild or just chemistry-wise with the other players. Honestly, I'm going to have to agree with you. I had pretty much the same ranking for pretty much the same reason. Rodgers at number one, obviously, I most likely he's going to play. Um, let's assume he's going to play, so I'll put them at number one. Vikings, number two, obviously, Kirk Cousins has taken this team in the playoffs, so I think we can safely say he's the second-best quarterback in this division. Obviously, I will put the Bears at number three because Dalton, pretty decent starter last year, almost got the Cowboys to the playoffs. And, of course, Justin Fields, we have that upside there as a backup. And then Jared Goff at number four, they pretty much don't have anyone behind him. So he – I mean, he's been – decent at best but I wouldn't call him like an amazing quarterback so I think I'd put the Lions at number four but I guess Nate I'll get to you on quarterbacks so for quarterbacks um I put Green Bay first Minnesota second actually put Lions third and the Bears fourth uh the reason I put Lions third was mainly because of Jared Goff's experience um he's been around the block I believe he's been to the Super Bowl before so it's not his first rodeo. He knows what to do. It's not going to be the best situation for him. And he's not necessarily as talented as Matthew Stafford, but um, he's, he's read defenses for a long time. So that might be able to kind of offset his situation. And I guess for Justin Fields, um, he's still a rookie. So he's, he's really talented, but it's going to, I'm just kind of like, we have to, um, wait and see about his upside before we see it, I guess. And for Andy Dalton, um, I think we've like kind of seen his upside. Um, he doesn't have like the most potential at this point in his career. So I put the bears last because of that. Great. Um, and then Mete just getting to you for your quarterbacks. Yeah, so I actually assumed that Rodgers would not be playing since I don't think anything's got resolved between the team and Rodgers. I feel like he's still angry at them, but we'll see. And so due to that, I went Vikings 1, actually. Uh, uh, Like I said before, I think Cousins is way too criticized, and he's still a solid quarterback who you can win with. Uh, I went with Detroit 2nd. I like Jared Goff, actually. I think he's another one of those guys who's over-criticized. Uh, he's solid, and maybe a chain of, change of scenery will help him out as there's going to be less pressure playing for Detroit rather than the Los Angeles Rams. And then uh, third, I went with the Ch- Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm assuming that the Bears are going to start off with Andy Dalton, and for that reason, I got them at three. Uh, Dalton is solid, but at this point, I feel like he's just a game manager. And I don't know, watching him last season, I felt like he lost a lot of his uh, mobility. Like uh, he couldn't really move around the in or out of the pocket too well. And then I went with Green Bay at four because I'm not expecting Rodgers to start the season. 
Uh, I feel like Jordan Love's going to start. And like I said before, he hasn't thrown a single NFL pass in the regular season. So we just don't know how he'll turn out right now. And I guess I assume if Rodgers is back, you'd pretty much have them at number one. Like, Is that correct? Yeah, if yeah. Rodgers is playing, Green Bay should be one for sure. And then everyone else, I'd slide down one spot. All right, for sure. And um, yeah, let's just move to the skill positions now. Um, this time, Nate, I'm going to start with you. I guess, where do you see these teams for skill positions? Um, So I put um, Green Bay first, Viking second, uh, the Lions third, and the Bears fourth. Um, I was looking at kind of rush and receptions totals and um i was really surprised but um the lines were a lot higher than i expected they actually had the highest um reception totals out of the division i'm not sure if it's because matthew stafford is just that good or if there's like another reason so um if it's just because of um i guess matthew stafford's talent then they they might drop i'm just not sure how much so yeah, I put the Lions third and the Bears fourth because of that. And I think in terms of talent, Green Bay and the Vikings, they're just too stacked. So I put them at one and two. Yeah, I think that um, Matthew Stafford was a big part of that offense. Hopefully uh, Jared Goff can sort of help the Lions, I guess, uh, improve it in some areas. I don't know how many, but um, Terry, let me just move to you. I guess, uh, who do you have in order for skill positions? Yeah, skill it's one of those days. Um, skill position, Green Bay, I got one. Two, I got the Vikings. Three, I think I push Chicago. And then four, I got the North City. What pack is, I feel like they're more well-rounded with their skill positions, whether it be tight end, running back, and wide receiver. Second, I put the Vikings because they have that dual, the wideout, and that hardcore running back, but then they don't have that tight end to put them over the edge as of yet. Bears, they do have talent, for example, Allen Robinson, Mooney, et cetera, et cetera. But same goes with the same explanation for the Vikings. They don't have that tight end. And then the Lions, there's not really that many names that separates them from the field besides TJ Hawkinson. Outside of that, uh, that's my explanation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess just looking at my ranking for the skill positions, I actually have the Vikings at number one. I feel like they have the best duo for wideouts in this division. They have the best running back and running back combo. Uh, in, if anything happened to Dalvin Cook, I think Madison's really solid. So, uh, And Irv Smith, I mean, uh, a lot of people are saying he's going to break out this year, and he actually has experience unlike some of the other tight ends uh, in this division. So I'll, I'll definitely give them number one. I'll give the Packers number two, obviously. They have the best single wideout in the division, which is Devontae Adams. Uh, they have uh, one of the more premier running backs in Aaron Jones. They also have A.J. Dillon as well. And then they have uh, Bob Tanyan, who was pretty solid last year. So I have them at number two. Number three, I got the Bears. Obviously, Montgomery really solid last year. Allen Robinson, probably the second best wide receiver in this division by himself. Um, and then for tight end, obviously, uh, Komet's coming up. They have Jimmy Graham, so pretty decent. So I put them at number three. Uh, number four is the Lions. Obviously, their wideout core is de pretty depleted. Tyrell Williams, uh, Brashad Perryman, Amra St. Brown, uh, it's kind of depleted. And then for running back, DeAndre Swift, he's a good talent, but I just don't know how well he's going to play this year. And then for tight end, obviously, they have the best one in the division uh, in TJ Hawkinson, but I really couldn't see them above number four. So, uh, Mete, let me get to you for your skill positions. 
Yeah, I think I have the same uh, ranking as Terry, and I mainly agree with everything he said. Uh, Green Bay won. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the game uh, and one of the better running backs, like you said, and they also have a solid tight end, so they're the most well-rounded, I feel like. And then the Vikings, I had a number two. They have the two great duo at wide receiver with Thielen and Jefferson, like we said. Uh, Cook, one of the best running backs as well, but I don't know about Irv Smith as of now. So, yeah, that's why I put them at two. And then I went with Chicago at number three. Uh, again, they have weak tight ends, but they do have a great receiver in Robinson, and their running back depth is really good, actually, with Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And then Lions, I put at four. I like uh, TJ Hawkinson. I feel like he's the best tight end in the division. Uh, I like what I saw from DeAndre, DeAndre Swift as well in, the, in his rookie year, outside of the drop week one. And then... Uh, their wide receivers, I think, are way too weak, so they had to be number four for me. Yeah, I think that uh, the Lions definitely need to take a step up to improve their skill positions, but let's get into the offensive line now. Um, I guess this time, uh, Terry, let me start with you. Uh, what's your rankings in terms of offensive lines for this division? Honestly, I got to put the Packers at one. Second, I got Lions, surprisingly. Third, Vikings and Bears, I got that fourth. Uh, with Green Bay, they have a solid O line, as always. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose Rick Wagner and then I believe Corey Lindsay. But then, as well, you gotta remember David. Uh, this is where I do horrible, but you know the left tackle, as everyone. Back to back Atari, yeah. Thank you. And then that's a good sign. And then you also got Lucas Patrick, who's going into the second year as a starter. So let's see he grows or hopefully grows. Then you got the Lions. I mean, no one would expect the Lions, but then, honestly, they're building a nice little O-line there, especially from this offseason. You got Taylor Deckard and then that rookie that got drafted 7 foot overall at the tackles. And then you got Frank uh, Ragnall, who's a tremendous building block for the O-line as well. Question for them, the guard position. And then you got, I believe, the Vikings at three. Christian Darisaw, tremendous left tackle as always. And then he's going to be looked on to – help elevate this O-line. And then you got Bears at four. I believe they lost the most for the O-line this past offseason. I think they lost Bobby Massey and uh, Charles Leno Jr. So I wouldn't be surprised if the O-line allowed a lot of pressure for the quarterbacks down there in the Women's City. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I pretty much have the same rankings as you. I got Packers at number one for all those same reasons. Uh, David uh, Bakhtiari was, I believe he was a pro bowler. I believe he was an all pro for this team. Obviously, they lost a couple pieces, but I mean, they still have guys like Billy Turner, like uh, Elton Jenkins uh, and Lucas Patrick and others. Um, really solid. Also, Mercedes Lewis, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. So that's going to help your run blocking as well. I uh, definitely have them at number one. I also have the Lions at number two. Maybe not surprisingly. Um, obviously, you mentioned Taylor Decker, really solid. Um, Frank Gregno, and obviously drafting uh, Penny Sewell. Um, this line is going to be really solid. Uh, I feel like um, even starting this season, obviously, um, a coach like Dan Campbell is one of those coaches that's going to specialize in those type of areas. So I feel like that this line will continue to improve. Uh, I also got the Vikings at number three. Obviously, they have some pieces here. 
Um, you mentioned them drafting Christian Derrissaw. I think that was a solid pick. Uh, definitely uh, some of the guys that they have here really uh, can, I guess, carve out uh, bigger roles. Um, a lot of them are recent draft picks like uh, Bradbury and, and Cleveland and others. So, um, yeah, definitely they can grow into their roles. And then I do have Chicago at number four. Uh, you mentioned some of the pieces they lost. I mean, they brought in uh, Tevin Jenkins in the draft. I thought that was a solid pick. But I guess other than that, guys like Elijah Wilkinson and others are really going to have to step it up for this line to be pretty decent because I they really struggled last season. Um, Mete, let me get to you next for the offensive lines. Yeah, so I actually went with Detroit at one. Uh, like we said, they drafted Penny Sawalin. Uh I just have one concern with them. Like Terry was saying, he said the guard play and specifically I'm looking at Jonah Jackson. Uh, He had a pretty tough year, but we'll see how he does this season. And then number two, I went with the Packers. Uh, They're actually, I think we're one of the top O-line units from last season, but like Terry said, they're losing two starters. So I want to see how the replacements do in Green Bay before I put them at one. And then number three, I went with Minnesota. Uh, they did have one of the worst O-lines from last season, but they're making changes as, like we said, they drafted Christian Derisaw. Uh He's probably going to play left tackle for them. They also used a third-round pick on Wyatt Davis, and it looks like he might be their starting left guard. So I think James was talking about Garrett Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland, uh, they had some, They had a rough season in 2020, so they're going to need better play from them if they want to be a better unit. And then I also have the Bears at four. Uh, they're going to be making a lot of changes to their offensive line as well after having a bad season. They, one of you guys said they're losing Lino Jr. and Massey, and we'll have to see uh, how their replacements do. Uh, Cody Whitehair and James Daniels have been their two solid uh, linemen. Outside of those two, though, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, I can definitely agree with all of that. The Bears really need to revamp uh, their line. But, Nate, let me get to you now. I guess, uh, what's your ranking for offensive lines? Um, I mostly based it off of um, sacks allowed. So based on that... um, I put Green Bay first, I think Chicago second, Vikings third, and Lions fourth. Um, I didn't really take into account the kind of like the offseason moves. Um, I guess you could put the Lions second based off of the offseason moves and the Bears fourth. But yeah, I just took uh, into account just the sacks allowed. Yeah, that's one thing about the Packers uh, line is that um... – yeah, I think uh, there's a chance for them to sort of move down this year just because of how much Rodgers really releases the ball quickly. So they avoid uh, allowing sacks, that type of thing. And if there are pieces leaving, uh, it's going to be tough for them to sort of replicate the season they just had. But um, let's just move now to secondaries. Uh, Mete, this time I'm going to start with you. I guess uh, which secondaries do you like in this division? Uh, secondary or front seven? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we can start with secondary. We can always get to front okay. seven after. All yeah. right. So for secondary, I went Green Bay one. Uh, they're a very good secondary. They've got Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, and Darnell Savage. 
uh, great defensive backs. And then you're probably going to need Kevin King to play better as a lot of teams were picking at him, just throwing at his way. And that was probably their biggest weakness in the secondary. And then I went Minnesota second. Uh, they lost Anthony Harris, Mike Hughes, but they added Patrick Peterson, Rashad Breland, and Xavier Woods. So their secondary should be much better this season. And then I went Chicago third. They do have a couple solid defensive backs in Jalen Johnson and Desmond Trufant, but outside of the, outside of those two, I feel like they need their other defensive backs to step up. And then I went with Detroit at four. Uh, they do have talent at defensive back, but uh, Jeff Okuda, Quinton Dunbar, and Tracy Walker, those three need to play better. As in 2020, they had rough seasons, but they definitely have the talent to turn it around, I feel like. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, the Lions, they're pretty young, I guess, in terms of their secondary. So I guess it's something that we'll just have to look at uh, in terms of improvement. Uh, Nate, let me get to you for the secondaries. So for secondaries, I looked at uh, opposing QB completion, interceptions, and interception touchdowns. So Based off of that, I have the Packers first, the Bears second, the Vikings third, and the Lions fourth. Yeah, I think pretty straightforward. It is similar to what Mete had as well. Um, Terry, just getting to you, I guess, what are your rankings for secondaries? Summarize this all in one sentence for each team. Uh, first, let me just say Packers one, Vikings two, Bears three, Lions four. Uh, for the Packers, easily top five secondary if Kevin King improves his play. Uh, then you got Vikings, Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods are both free agency ads, which are nice and uh, make it the second best in the division. Windy City is going to rely on Javon Johnson, I believe, to make the secondary great again. Then before, uh, just to summarize, the Lions secondary, they're all going to have to require bounce back years. Yeah, I think uh, you guys had pretty much similar rankings to each other. I went a little bit of a different direction for secondary. I actually had the Vikings first. I really like what they did this offseason. Obviously, they have Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties in the league. They added Xavier Woods, like Mete said. Uh, I know he had a rough season in Dallas, but uh, I still think he is pretty solid. And then obviously, they have uh, Pat Peterson, who they brought in. Obviously, uh, Jeff Gladney, um, Rashad Breland was really solid last season for the Chiefs. Um, Cameron Dantzler is also really solid. Um, I think that they have a great secondary. I think it's now the best one in the division. Um, I know the Packers performed well last season, but I, I think this is sort of just me looking ahead uh, to what I'm projecting. And I, I have the Bears at number two. I know that they did lose some players but I just really like their unit overall obviously Eddie Jackson's pretty much their stud back there uh, Jalen Johnson pretty solid Desmond Trufant he's really gonna need to have a bounce back here coming back from coming from Detroit uh, definitely wasn't his best year but I, I think he should be able to bounce back in this system obviously uh, Tayshawn Gibson has really been solid as well and um, Artie Burns coming uh, from Pittsburgh I think he's going to be really solid into this system and um, yeah, they have a lot of solid pieces as well. I think this is a well-rounded uh, unit for secondary. So I have the Bears at two. I have the Packers at number three. Obviously, Jair Alexander, probably one of the best defensive players in this division. 
um, definitely really solid. Adrian Amos, solid as well. Um, and uh, yeah, like we said, Kevin King didn't have the best year. Um, Darnell Savage also gave up some uh, really bad uh, catches, but overall he's usually pretty solid. And then they drafted Eric Stokes. So I guess we'll see uh, where he fits in. So I do have them at number three. And then obviously I have the Lions at number four with all of you guys. Uh, you guys mentioned Jeff Okuda and Tracy Walker. Obviously they're going to need to have better seasons. Um, they drafted a guy. I am not going to attempt to pronounce this guy's name because I'm going to butcher it, but you guys all know who I'm talking about. Uh, they drafted him in the third round this year. Um, they definitely are looking to improve this secondary. So I definitely see the Lions pretty much on their way up. And um, Mete, I will get to the front seven now, and I will start with you. I guess, uh, what do you see for this division? Yeah, okay. So for front seven, I went Chicago one. They've got a solid front seven. Uh, we know they've got Khalil Mack. Uh, they did lose Roy Robertson, Harris, and Brent Urban, but they get Eddie Goldman back, and Robert Quinn, I feel like, is going to have a bounce-back year. So number one, Chicago Bears. Number two, I went with the Minnesota Vikings. The defensive line in Minnesota was terrible last season, but they're going to get Daniel Hunter back, Daniel Hunter and Michael Pierce back, sorry. And then they're going to add Sheldon Richardson as well in off, in the offseason. So there's a new D-line in Minnesota, and it should be better. The linebackers are also great. They've got Eric Kendricks, uh, Anthony Barr, Nick Feigl, and they drafted rookie Chaz Surratt. And then uh, for third, I went with the Green Bay Packers. They have a good defensive line with Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, and Rashawn Gray, but I feel like their linebacker units are one of the weaker ones in the NFL, so I went for third. And then the Detroit Lions also had a bad defensive line unit in the 2020 season, but they're getting some, they're making some changes as they picked up Michael Brockers, Levi Onwuzurike, I hope I said that right, and then Ali McNeil. Uh, they're also getting back Trey Flowers from injury, so that's great, but their linebackers are also weak like the Packers. I think Jamie Collins is their only solid linebacker, I'd say. Yeah, um, I think I pretty much have the same ranking as you for front seven. I have Chicago at number one. Obviously, you mentioned Khalil Mack. Uh, Roquan Smith, really solid. Akeem Hicks, obviously really solid. Uh, Mario Edwards. I mean, you can just go down the names here. Uh, Danny Trevathan. Uh, Robert Quinn, you said you expect to have a bounce back year for him. Like this whole, this unit as a whole, like they're just going to be really solid. Um, yeah, so I have the Bears at number one. I have the Vikings at number two. You mentioned a lot of the names. Uh, Daniel Hunter, one of the best pass rushers in this division. Obviously, um, guys like uh, Michael Pierce. Um, and uh, of course, you got to the linebackers, Anthony Barrier, Kendricks. So yeah, they're going to be really solid as well. Uh, they also uh, drafted a couple pieces into this front seven. So, uh, yeah, uh, I really expect the Vikings to continue to improve. Um, I have the Packers at number three. The reason I have them at number three is uh, they were a, a good pass rushing front seven, but a really bad run uh, stopping front seven. That's what I noticed last season. They were really bad against the run. Uh, we saw uh, some games, uh, the amount of rush yards that they gave up. Uh, I mean, they do have some solid pieces. We talked about Kenny Clark. Um, 
obviously guys like Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, um, some of the guys that they have here. Um, yeah, they just need a few more pieces. I know they drafted uh, Tadaryl Slayton, so hopefully he can slot in. Um, they have a couple other guys coming in uh, from the draft to this front seven, so hopefully they can improve. But right now I don't see them, I guess, at the level of the Bears or the Vikings. And then I have the Lions at number four. They have some decent pieces. Uh, you mentioned uh, Levi on Onzuriki. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he should be really solid for them coming in. They have, obviously, you mentioned Trey Flowers, uh, Michael Brockers, um, Jamie Collins, obviously uh, really solid players. Um, I just don't know how this unit's going to perform, I guess, under the new coaching staff. So I have them at number four. Um, Nate, let me get to you now for your front seven rankings. So for front seven, um, I looked at um, opposing rush yards, opposing rush touchdowns, stacks, uh, combined tackles, and forced fumbles. Um, based on all those, I put the Packers first, the Vikings second, the Bears third, and the Lions fourth. Again, I didn't really take into account like all the off-season moves. I think uh, some teams would have been higher if I did, but... Yeah, those are uh, my rankings for front seven. Yeah, um, I did mention about the Packers. Great, um, I guess, in terms of uh, pressure, in terms of sacks, uh, they were really solid. I just sort of questioned uh, their uh, run defense. I just, some games uh, they looked great. Other games, they just looked like they were able to get run on a lot. Um, and then, yeah, Vikings and Bears are pretty much pretty close. And then Lions uh, right after that. And I guess, um, Terry, getting to you on front sevens. Seven, I mean, Bears one, Vikings two, Packers three, Lions four. Uh, we don't really need to say that much with the front seven for the Bears. I mean, Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks, enough said. Then you got Rokon Smith in the secondary, or not secondary, but in the linebacker court. Uh, with the Vikings, on the other hand, you got guys like Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendrick, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, I feel like they're way ahead of the third-place team, so that's why I put them at two. Then you got Packers at three. Kenny Clark uh, and Darius Smith, cornerstones on the linebacking. Not linebacking core, but defensive line. The linebacking core needs, needs a lot of work. Then with the Lions, there's two playmakers in mind, as you guys have been saying, Jamie Collins and Trey Flowers. Outside of that, defense needs a lot of work in the rebuild. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we all definitely see the same way about the Lions. Uh, they really have a lot of improvements to make, but uh, let's just get to the special teams now. Um, I'm going to start. Uh, this was a really tough ranking for me. They, The teams in this division really don't have great special teams from what I've noticed. Uh, so it was really hard to rank this. So we might all be pretty different and I think that's okay. Um, I have the Bears at number one, surprisingly. I know we all joke about like them missing field goals and all that. But I, I mean, from what I've seen uh, from Cairo Santos last year, he was pretty decent. Um, obviously, uh, there are some better kickers in this division, but I guess just looking at everything else, uh, Pat O'Donnell as uh, their punter, um, and then Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney as the punt and kick returners. I think Darnell Mooney needs to uh, get most of the returns this coming season because he's really talented. I think he's one of the best route runners in this division. Um, he definitely has the shiftiness to be able to return really well. And if he does become the starter there, I definitely could see the Bears improving on their special team. So I have them at number one. I have the Lions at number two. 
Obviously, they don't have Prater anymore, but they did get Randy Bullock. I know people laugh at him about what happened last year with the Bengals, but I really don't think he's that bad of a kicker. Uh, I think he's pretty decent. Obviously, they have Jack Fox as their punter, and they get Amon Ross St. Brown as their punt and kick returner in the draft this year. I know we talked him up a little bit earlier. Uh, he definitely should be really solid, so I have them at number two. Um, at number three, I have the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, um, a guy like Mason Crosby is probably the best kicker uh, in this division, um, but their punting was really bad last year, and J.K. Scott, I believe is going to be their punter. They really need to improve uh, in punting. And then in uh, punt and kick returning, they have Malik Taylor. They have Josh Jackson, uh, pretty middle of the road guys. I wouldn't call them solid. I wouldn't call them bad, but uh, yeah, that's why I have the Packers at number three. And then number four, I have the Vikings. Their special teams has pretty much been all over the place. Um, obviously they drafted a, a kicker. They drafted a long snapper. They drafted a kick returner. They pretty much just drafted every position. So I really can't rank them any higher than fourth. But um, I guess, Mete, let me get to you. Yeah, so I went with the Lions at one, actually. Uh, they were ranked third in terms of special teams last season. We talked about their new additions with Randy Bullock and uh, St. Brown. So I think it'll be a really good special teams unit. Number two, I went with the Bears. Uh, they were ranked last ninth last season in terms of special teams, and uh, they got Anthony Muller returning punts, Darnell Mooney returning the kicks. So those are two great returners. And then I feel like the kickers have been kind of shaky, like we were joking about uh, with with and after Cody Parkey. And ever since they got Cairo Santos, uh, he's been really solid actually. So. Uh, yeah, they've got a great kicker as well. Number two for the Bears. Number three, I went with the Packers. They were ranked 29th last season. And I feel like outside of Mason Crosby, who's been a great kicker, uh, I don't think the special teams unit's too great. And then number four was the Vikings for me. Like you said, they've got a lot of rookies in the uh, special teams. And then... I feel like they were ranked kind of low last season because of Dan Bailey shanking a lot of kicks, and now he's gone. So, yeah, maybe they'll be better this season. Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, the Vikings, uh, they, they really had to shake things up, and they pretty much just did that drafting pretty much everyone. Uh, Nate, let me get to you now on special teams. So for special teams, I looked at um, field goal, made field goal percentage. Um, punt return average yards, kick return average yards and punt. And yeah, the Bears were uh, pretty underrated. I actually put them first. Um, they had, the, I think, the most field goals made, and they were second in terms of field goal percentage. Um, only the Packers had a higher field goal percentage, but they made less field goals. Um, and they're like second in pretty much every other category, second in kick return, second in total yards kicked, second in punt uh, average uh, punt return, um, second in average punt yards. And I put the Lions at second. Um, they have a pretty decent kick return and punt return team. Well, they're the best in the division. And they have a good um, punter as well. And I put the Packers at third. I mean, in terms of talent, I think the kicker in the Packers – 
Um, you could say that he's the best in the division, but he's, I guess they're not really um, making him kick as much. So his field goal made is lower than the Bears and the Lions. But in terms of like field goal percentage, he's the he's the best. And um, I guess for the Vikings, they're kind of the the weakest overall. So I put them at fourth. Yeah, I think uh, most of us are in agreement. I know that Mete did have the Lions ahead, but uh, Terry, let me get to you now for special teams. Special teams, I got put Bears at one, Packers at two, uh, Vikings at three, and then Lions at four. With the Bears, I mean, Santos is unanimously the second best kicker in the division. And then I don't even think about Mooney when I'm thinking about the special teams. I'm thinking more about Anthony Miller. I believe he averaged, give or take, around 11 on punt returns and then uh, 16 on kick returns. It's not bad, but it's not good either. But if I feel like it's a breakout year for the special teams when it comes to Miller. And then with the Green Bay Packers, you got, uh, I believe, Mason Crosby. And then you got guys like Josh Jackson and then Malik Taylor. Taylor is not bad when it comes to kick returns. I believe he averaged around 16 and 18 yards, give or take. Then with Josh Jackson, I believe he averaged around six and a half, maybe seven. So it's not bad. And then you got Mason Crosby unanimously the best kicker in the division, doing it for how long. And then you got KJ Osborne, and I believe his name is, it's not coming to mind, uh, Greg Joseph, I think his name is, something like that. Uh, even though Greg Joseph, I believe he was drafted, something like that. So, but you understand why I put him ahead of the Detroit Lions for a second. And then you got KJ Osborne. Fortunately, he had like four yards plus the 21 yards on punt and kick returns both. And the only reason why I put Lions in last is because of Randy Bullock's during week one from last year. Like, how close was it to like, you know what I'm about to say, especially when it was the Chargers and the Bengals. And then he, he just kicks it off to the stands in the right corner, and it makes no sense. But I do like St. Brown as their kick returner, though. I believe he averaged probably like 5 and 21 punt and kick return yards both. So that's why I got to save for this whole division. Yeah, I feel like he'd have Lions a lot higher if it wasn't for that Bengals grudge you're holding against no, Bullock. Like but, like, but yeah, no, I see where you're coming from, obviously. And um, yeah, um, I guess we can move into um, head coaches. And I guess I'll start. I have the Packers at number one. Obviously, Matt LaFleur, he just stepped in after Mike McCarthy left. And it's pretty much been like a seamless transition. He's taken them to multiple NFC championship games. So obviously, I have to have him at number one. Number two, I have the Vikings. Uh, I believe their head coach uh, is Mike Zimmer. Um, yeah, they've been a almost a, a playoff team almost every season. So um, he's pretty much done enough to uh, keep his job at this point, even after uh, Stefanski left as the uh, OC there. Um, he's still uh, put together a pretty solid uh, offense there. So I definitely like what he's done. Uh, number three, I have the Bears. Obviously, uh, we've had a lot of questions about Matt Nagy uh, in terms of his play calling. He really shouldn't be doing the play calling, but he wants to do the play calling. So I guess we'll have to see what happens with that if Justin Fields is starting. And then I guess number four, I have uh, Motor City Dan Campbell, as they call him. Um, he might be higher after this season, but we haven't seen him coach. And obviously, he'll have Anthony Lynn behind him. So some solid coaching there, but I guess we'll have to see for that. And I guess, um, Nate, let me get to you for the coaching. 
My bad. I'm mute, buddy. <laughs> so for coaching, I put um, Vikings first, Packers second, Bears third, and the Lions fourth. Um, I think the I guess the main reason why I put the Vikings ahead of um, Matt Lafleur was mainly just because Mike Zimmer has won a Super Bowl before, so he does have some um, experience in terms of like going um, all the way in, um, I guess, winning a Super Bowl. But um, Packers aren't too far far behind. Um, Matt Lafleur has led Green Bay to really deep playoff runs. Um, I mean. I guess for the Bears, I put them third. Um, I guess Matt Nagy has a pretty decent regular season record, but um, not too much success in the postseason. And for the Lions, I put them fourth mainly because it's going to be Dan Campbell's first year, if I'm not mistaken. So um, not really too much experience in terms of um, head coaching. Yeah, I actually didn't know Mike Zimmer had a ring. I believe he got it with the Cowboys uh, coaching the DB. So that's pretty it's pretty cool to see. All right, Terry, let me get to you for the coaches. Uh, first guy I got to go with is Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. Second, got to go with Green Bay. And the head coach, Matt LaFleur. Third, unfortunately, I got to put Matt Nagy at third. And then at fourth, I got Dan Campbell. Um, Explanation-wise, I got to put Zimmer first just because of how long he's been doing it. Four and second, I got Matt Lafleur, um, just because of how long he has been doing it as well. But it's not as long as uh, Zimmer. With third, uh, Nagy just gets the short end of the stick just due to the fact that he hasn't been, you know, as good as the other two ahead of him. And then at four, I mean, Dan Campbell's barely played a game or hasn't played a game at all. So that's why I got him at fourth. I think you mean hasn't coached a game, but I, I get what you're you're trying to say. Exactly. Um, yeah, Mete, just getting to you, what's your ranking for the coaches? Yeah, okay. So I went Green Bay one. Uh, I feel like LaFer has done a great job uh, in his first two years in Green Bay. They've got a 26-6 and six regular season record and 2-2 two and two in the postseason, uh, losing both times in the conference championship. And then I went Minnesota second. I feel like Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat this season as he's, I believe, the longest tenured head coach without a Super Bowl at this point. So despite all that, though, he's pretty solid. I feel like he's got a 64-47-1 record in the regular season and a 2-3 playoff record as he took the Vikings to the 2017 NFC Championship game. And then I went Chicago third. I think Matt Nagy is entering his fourth year as the head coach and uh, they haven't had had a losing season under him yet. They've got a 28 and 20 regular season record with him and a 0-2 playoff record so he'll be looking to find his first playoff win soon and then I went with Detroit at fourth. Uh, I didn't know this but I think in 2015 uh, the uh, Dan Campbell served as the interim head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, they ended up 6-10 and 10 that season. And then uh, Campbell, when he took over, they uh, – wait, no, sorry. Yeah, they ended up 6-10. and 10. I think when Campbell took over, they were like 1-3, and three, I want to say. And then they ended up 5-7. and seven. 
which adds up. So yeah, uh, he did a decent job, I feel like. But the other three coaches, they've been coaching for way longer and and a full season. So yeah, he's got to be number four for me. Yeah, I think I was pretty much spot on with what you said. And yeah, I, I definitely think that there is a solid group of coaches here. I just don't know how much success a lot of them have had. I know you mentioned Zimmer being on the hot seat. I think Nagy's also on the hot seat if he doesn't turn things around getting in a new quarterback in. So we'll definitely have to see. Um, and then I guess just adding up our totals, I'll start um, at the uh, Green Bay Packers at number one. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings at number two, the Chicago Bears at number three, and the Detroit Lions at number four. Um, I guess, Terry, I'll get to you. What are your totals? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I believe Green Bay at one, Vikings at two, uh, Bears at three, Lions at four. And then uh, just getting to you, Nate, uh, what are your totals? I have uh, Green Bay at one, the Vikings two, the Bears at three, and the Lions at four. And then, uh, Matty, how about you? I got Minnesota 1, Green Bay 2, Chicago, Chicago 3, Detroit 4, and this is without Rodgers. So with him, I'd have the Packers 1, uh, Vikings 2. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think we're pretty much all in agreement um, that if Aaron Rodgers is there, Packers should be at number 1. But let's get to the divisional records. Um, this time... Um, Mete, I'm going to start with you, I guess. Uh, how do you see this uh, these division games shaping out? Yeah, so mine might be kind of confusing. I think Minnesota will be 4-2 if Rodgers doesn't play. Actually, no, sorry. I actually have a split with Chicago and Green Bay, so I don't think the record will be uh, changed. 4-2 for Minnesota. They split with Chicago and Green Bay, sweep Detroit. Chicago will go... Three and three if Rodgers doesn't play, and two and four if he does. And then, so then it would be uh, they split with everyone if Rodgers doesn't play, and they get swept by uh, thing Green Bay, uh, and they split with the other two if Rodgers does play. Green Bay three and three split with everyone without Rodgers. With Rodgers, they're probably five and one. I think they only lose to Minnesota once. And then Detroit, I'd go 2-4. Doesn't matter if Rodgers is playing or not. They Wait, no, sorry. They go 1-5 if Rodgers is playing and 2-4 if he isn't. They split with Green Bay if he's not playing and Chicago. And if uh, Rodgers is playing, they get swept by Green Bay and Chicago. No, Green Bay and... Minnesota and they split with Chicago. So let me just get this straight. Let's <laughs> let's organize this for yeah. everyone. So um I see here you have Minnesota four and two, Chicago three and three, Green Bay three and three, Detroit two and four. Is that with Rogers or without Rogers? That's without. And then with Rogers, you said Green Bay goes to five and one. Yeah. And then Detroit would go to one and five, and then yeah. Minnesota would go to three and three. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure that's what I heard from you, but I, I wasn't 100% sure. But, okay. Um, yeah, uh, Nate, let me get to you now, I guess, for division records. So I have um, Packers 5 and 1, the Vikings 4 and 2, the Bears 2 and 4, and the Lions 1 and 5. I actually think I'm spot on with you as well. I 
I pretty much have those exact records. I have Packers five and one. Obviously, this is all with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Vikings four and two. Um, yeah, the Vikings uh, do get one win against the Packers. Um, and it's at home, and that would be the Packers' only loss. And then uh, the Vikings' two losses come in Chicago and in Green Bay. Um, Bears I have at two and four. Obviously, um, their wins would be at home against the Lions and the Vikings, but they'd lose their remaining games. And the Lions' one win would be at home against Chicago, and then they would lose uh, the rest of their games to get a one and five record. So, um, Terry, let me just um, bounce to you for your divisional records. Honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Mante's rankings or <laughs> records in general. I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, okay, okay. But with Rodgers as the quarterback in Green Bay, I honestly think I had the same thing as James before I blanked out. Uh, Green Bay at 5-1, and one, they lose that one game to the Vikings. Uh, Minnesota at 4-2, and two, uh, their two losses come to the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers. With that being said, Chicago gets their four losses, um, two against Green Bay Packers and one against uh, the Lions as well as the Vikings. And then Detroit just loses out to Minnesota and Green Bay, but they do split with Chicago. All right. Yeah, I think that everyone has a pretty similar record with Rodgers and then without Rodgers, obviously, uh, that would change a lot of things. So, um, I guess we're pretty much done recapping this division, but I guess, Nate, I'll start with you. Any last thoughts, I guess, uh, on the division in its entirety or I guess what you think about different teams? Um, I guess um, Bears, they might be a little bit underrated this season. I think they're they're going to get a few upsets against not just like teams in this division, but just in the league in general. I think they're probably going to get upsets that people don't really see coming. Yeah, I feel like we have the Bears ranked as if Andy Dalton's their quarterback. I know Justin Fields is kind of like that wild card where if he steps in at quarterback, they could actually improve by a lot. Obviously, they have the defense to back it up. If that offense can click, I mean, they could play at another level and potentially challenge Green Bay, depending on how well Aaron Rodgers is playing or if he's playing. I guess, Mete, what are your thoughts on this division? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of some unknown things in this division, like Rodgers, um, who the Bears are going to play. But it looks like uh, it's going to be a close division, I feel like, if Rodgers doesn't play. If he does play, I feel like the Packers will win this division like they always do and then probably be a top, top seed like they always are, getting a bye. And then, yeah, it looks like uh, Detroit being at four here is kind of inve- inevitable. I could actually see Detroit going 0-6, depending on if Justin Fields starts right away and how he plays. Um, Yeah, this Bears team could, like Nate said, could be a lot stronger than we're sort of predicting, as obviously we're going with Andy Dalton as the starter. I don't know, Terry, what are your thoughts on this division? Honestly, I agree with you. Uh, Detroit is the punching bag of this division, as we all know. And that record could easily change to 0-6, depending on the quarterback situation down in Chicago. With that being said, you got Chicago on the other hand, tremendous front seven. The secondary just needs to build it back up with guys like Jalen Johnson and then Eddie Jackson, if I said that right. And with that being said, you got the two top tier uh, teams in the division. You got the Vikings and then you got the Chicago 
Not Chicago. Where was I just about to say? Yeah. Green Bay Packers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't really need to say that much with Green Bay. They have tremendous offense. They just got worried about their linebacker core, honestly. Just develop that a little bit more, and then well, you could easily see them in the championship game again or potentially um, making a deep playoff run. With Minnesota, on the other hand, uh, you're just hoping for guys that did opt out to just uh, help Wolves do this uh, defensive core. And with that being said, that's the summary of this NFC North division. Yeah, honestly, just sort of talking about the Vikings. I know um, Daniel Hunter wasn't healthy. Barr wasn't healthy. Kendricks wasn't healthy. Their secondary underperformed last year. Obviously, they improved that. Um yeah, the Vikings' main problem last year was their defense. I don't think their offense had a pretty big issue. Um, they were involved in a lot of high-scoring games last season. Um, so definitely uh, when you add in guys like Xavier Woods, Mete, you said he should have a bounce back this year. And then Pat Peterson's still pretty solid. He's not at the level that he was in his prime, obviously. He's still pretty solid. And you got the guys that they've added. I mean, uh, this could be a sleeper team that could potentially win the division. Well, if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, I really see the Vikings winning the division if they're healthy. Um, and then if Rodgers is there, they could definitely challenge for the division title. I know they even beat the Packers once last season. They might even be challenging for the Packers in both games. So definitely something to look out for. Obviously you talked about the Packers going to the AFC championship or the NFC championship again, potentially. Yeah. That's one thing about this, this offense is that, uh, they they really got to play well against tough defenses. They even had close games with Chicago last year, and they definitely should have beaten Chicago a lot more easily than they did. Um, yeah, there's just some games where uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, some defenses just get to Rodgers, um, whether it's the pass protection, whatever it might be. And we mentioned that the Packers lost some players uh, on that offensive line. So I'm a little bit concerned there. There is a chance for the Vikings to improve. And I mean, Rogers is going to have to play out of his mind again uh, next year, so we'll definitely have to see about that. But, um, yeah, that's going to be the end of Fanatics Football. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at FanFanPodcast. Uh, we've been posting a lot of picks. Obviously, the NBA Finals did complete, so we will have some football picks for you in the fall. I think all of us will be contributing to that, so definitely go check that out. Um, make sure for the podcast, you check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Like, subscribe, share on YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications. Leave us a review, all that good stuff. And uh, I think we pretty much uh, had a, a good preview uh, for everything in this division today. And we'll talk to you guys on the next episode.